Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to talk to you about finding Jesus. That's what our heart is searching for. That's what our soul is searching for, searching for Jesus. And you know, I've been reflecting on the series, kind of the stories that God's been leading to me to, to, to speak on. And, the, and I've noticed through this series, you know, I'm going much into the Old Testament as we, as we look at Jesus. You can really only understand Jesus unless, if you know the whole Bible. You have to understand, the story of Jesus doesn't start with the book of Matthew. It doesn't start in the Gospels. It starts in the book of Genesis. It ends in the book of Revelation, the whole book. Every character, every story, every psalm, every proverb, it all points to Jesus. And so our goal, when we hear a sermon or when we read the word, it should all be to find Jesus. It's like a, it's like a search, like an like a ancient where's Waldo, looking Every story you read, every, every, every Bible verse, I'm telling you, Jesus is hiding in there. But he's only revealed by the Holy Spirit. So when you approach the Word of God, you say, Lord, show me where you are in here. Show me your son. And then I believe in that pursuit, in that, in that search, when you find Jesus, you find life, you find freedom, you find forgiveness, you find grace, you find truth, you find all that... Jesus brings, eventually you find yourself because the goal of Jesus is that you would change even who you are. You would see yourself through Jesus. You would become like Jesus. And so today, I want to tell you a story. It's quite a long story in the book of Genesis. It's an ancient story, over 4,000 years old, but in it, we're going to search for Jesus. Today, I want to tell you the story of Joseph as we look for Jesus. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. We're going to read verses 18 through 21. And I have two simple goals today. To reveal Jesus in the, in the story of Joseph and to apply this ancient story of Joseph to your life that you might, you might see how Jesus works in lives and stories. Genesis 50, verse 18 through 21. The Bible says this. Now his brothers, speaking of Joseph's brothers, then came and they threw themselves down before him. And they said, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Come on, isn't that the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why? To accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. Sounds like Jesus. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. This whole story is about how God orchestrates circumstances and events in your life to bring about his purposes. It, it almost doesn't even matter what man wants. It doesn't matter what the enemy wants. It doesn't matter what the world wants. It doesn't matter what others' intentions are. God's intentions are always supreme. What you intended 
doesn't matter. What God intended is what happens. And God's intentions are always to accomplish something. You might say, well, well, accomplish what? No, that God's intention is always to accomplish salvation. God wants to rescue you. God wants to heal you. God wants to forgive you. Come on, this is good news. God wants to save you. And not just you, but you and your children. And know that you have a God that will reassure you. He will speak kindly to you. He will provide for you. He will rescue you. He will not fail you. Where others fall short, he will not fall short. Where others betray, he will not betray. Where others deny, he will not deny. God will not fail you. In every circumstance, he is working. In every trial, he is moving. In every difficulty, he is involved. And God is moving these things truly for your benefit and for your salvation. He will not fail you now. And so our perspective has to be this. Lord, use me in this situation. But even more than that, use this situation in me. See, God doesn't want to just use you. He wants to use everything to make you, form you. God will birth character in you from your circumstances. He will always process you even through the pain. God will do deep works in you through trials and tribulations. Why? So that he can save you, and even more than that, save through you. I mean, think about Jesus' promise to his disciples. He says, follow me, and I will make you. Well, that's a process. That's a forming. That's a creation. I will make you. I'll work on you. How many people say God needs to work on me? <laughs> I mean, if, if you can imagine, we, we say to God, Lord, use me. Well, first, God's got to work on you. Can you imagine, you know, a, a, a vessel, a carrier, you know, like a, like, like a pot or something that, that carries water, a, a, a vase, before this thing can carry water, it has to be formed, it has to be fixed, it can't have cracks, it, it has to be made to be useful. And so when you say, Lord, use me, God says, I will, but first I have to make you. And so God takes your life and he puts it on the potter's wheel and, and he begins to, to work on you. Whenever, whenever, a pot is put on the potter's wheel. It has to be gouged and formed and, and moved by the potter's hands. And, and then more than that, water is added to begin to smooth out the imperfections. And finally, it's baked in the heat and baked in the oven to make it strong. Know this, if, if you're going to be used by God, not just to be saved, but to bring salvation, not just to be rescued, but to bring rescue, to be a carrier of the awakening, know this, God's hands are going to begin to touch your life. And he's going to begin to get involved in areas you might not even want him involved. In. He's going to begin to pull away the things that are pulling you away from him. He's going to begin to form you and carve you. And, and sometimes he's going to go deep because he's got the finished work in mind. And it's a beautiful work. So his hands are going to go after the imperfections. And then he's going to wash you by the water of the word. And he's going to begin to convict you and challenge you and move you. And, and it's a process. And in five, ten years, you'll still be in this process. And, and then he's going to take you and he's going to put you through the fire through the flame. But the goal is not that you would die. The goal is to make you strong, to make you useful. Like, like the three Hebrew children were thrown into the flame. It was the intention of Nebuchadnezzar to kill them, do them harm. 
but God is a king of kings, Lord of lords, and he has a greater intention. And somewhere along the line, that fire turned from man's fire to God's fire. The fire that was meant to destroy them made them stronger. What did it do? It loosed their bounds. The only thing that burnt off them was the things that was keeping them bound. That's what happens when the fire of the presence comes on you. And more than that, Nebuchadnezzar looks in, he says, didn't we send in three? He said, yes. He said, well, I see four. And the fourth looks like the son of man. Because the truth is, no matter what fire or trial you go through, Jesus will walk into the middle of it through you. He will reveal himself to you. He will not let you go through this alone. It may be difficult. It may be hot. But he is right there. And he is working. You need to know today that Jesus is in your story, your trial, your difficulty, and he's the son of God. And Jesus will turn you and I into sons, daughters of God. He'll be in your story. And God will use all of life's circumstances to make you into a carrier of salvation. The pains, the hurts, the good. He'll use broken people to make you whole. He doesn't let anything go to waste. And so, Lord, we thank you for that, that your hands are on us even now, forming us and moving us. We thank you, Jesus, that you even would know us, consider us, and find us even worthy to be touched. And so, Lord, right now, we, we want to see you in Joseph's story, but even more than that, God, we want to see you in our story. So will you come, reveal yourself to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. 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 Story of Joseph is it's really unique. It's a long story in the book of Genesis. and I'm going to attempt to give you a broad overview of it today and and show you Jesus in it, and show you how God works in your life. The story begins, the story of Joseph begins with him finding favor with the father. Jacob, who becomes Israel, he sees Joseph and he just loves him. He loves him because he's his son of his old age. He loved his mother, and so there's just a unique bond between the two. It's special, and so he he makes Joseph a coat of many colors. This would have been an extravagant and expensive gift. And the father puts the coat on him, the coat of favor, the coat of love, the coat that makes him stand out. He puts the coat on him. And, and you have to understand that um, that's, how God, that's how God sees you. That, that's what God did with Christ. Jesus, like Joseph, put on a coat for, for Joseph, it was the coat of favor, but for Jesus, he put on human form, the Bible says. Though he was in heaven with God, he chose to allow himself to become man, submit himself to the Father's will, and so he put on human form. Why? Because one day, we will be able to put on the form of Jesus Christ. One day, we will be able to put on the coat of favor, the coat of blessing, the coat of grace. You are clothed in Christ. You don't deserve it. 
You had nothing to do with it, but the Father loved you. For God so loved the world that God sent his son so that you could change your cloak. Please hear me. You might have walked in here with a cloak of poverty on you. You might have walked in here with the cloak of your past. Maybe you've been carrying the cloak of your parents, their sin, their shame, their mindset. But today I'm here to tell you God's got a new cloak for you. He's got a new identity for you. It is the cloak of Jesus Christ. And when you begin to put on Christ, You put on all that comes with it, grace, favor, truth, it all comes with Jesus. But I got to warn you that favor sometimes has ramifications. The brothers see this cloak and they start to become jealous. Who does he think he is? He thinks he's better than us. And their jealousy only grows, in fact, three times in one chapter. The Bible says their hatred for him grew even more, even more, because that's the nature of hatred, by the way. It always grows. If you think, well, I'll just keep this little part of my life angry towards those people, resenting towards those people, hating these people, even if it's justified, but I'll keep it small. Please, no, that's not the nature. It grows in the dark. And so this, this hatred begins to grow towards their brother. One day, the father sends Joseph to the brothers, just as God sent Jesus to his brothers, to the 12 tribes of Israel, of Jacob, just as Jesus came to the earth. So Joseph went to the brothers, and and he was going to bring the word of the Father to them. But the Bible says they saw him coming a long way off. That cloak marked him. It was just on his life. And, 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 And they condemned him in their hearts, and they began to say to each other, let's kill him. Here comes the dreamer. Here's the one we can't stand. Thinks he's so great. Let's see how far his dreams get him when he's dead. Let's kill him. And so they begin to plot his death, just like the Pharisees began to plot the death of Jesus. When, when, when Joseph arrives, they strip him of his clo- clothes. They tear him apart, and they throw him into a pit, into a cistern, trying to figure out what they're going to do with him. And there he is in that pit, waiting to be judged, judged by his wicked and evil brothers. And, and, and this, is, this is much like the place that Jesus found himself, where he, the Bible says in John 1, he came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. Came to his own brothers, and he brought the word of the Father. Yet they hated him, they resented him, and they were jealous of him. Hatred usually comes from jealousy. They were jealous of the connection with the Father, not knowing this can be your connection too. They threw him in the pit, planning to kill him. The Bible says at that moment, Midianites came by, Ishmaelites, and they were headed towards Egypt. And so the brothers said, you know what? Instead of killing him, let's sell him into slavery. So for 20 pieces of silver, they pulled Joseph out of the pit and they sold him into slavery in Egypt, just like Judas was to sell Jesus into slavery for 30 pieces of silver. A pittance to sell your brother, your kin, your family, worth nothing. And so these people brought Joseph into Egypt in slavery, broken, hurt, stripped of his identity, stripped of who he is. You would think stripped of his favor, except you have to understand favor doesn't just come from your your earthly father. Favor comes from your heavenly father. And so Joseph entered into 
Potiphar's house, who was a governor of Egypt, and, but the Bible says that God was with Joseph and that every single thing Joseph did, it succeeded because God was with him. I pray you have that verse over your life. Everything you do, every venture you try, every decision you make, every child you have, I pray that they are blessed because God is with you. You say, is it your genius? Is it your brilliance? No, God's with me. And so he began to rise in the ranks in Potiphar's house until eventually Potiphar put him in a place of influence. It's pretty amazing that, that even in his circumstance of slavery, God grew him there. God will grow you wherever you're placed, even if that place is very imperfect. And so now he's given all this authority, has charge over the entire household. Well, one day Potiphar's wife, she started looking at, at Joseph. The Bible actually says that Joseph was handsome of appearance. You know, this guy's got it all, I gotta tell you. And so Potiphar's wife says, why don't you come, why don't you come and lie with me? And, and the Bible says that Joseph said, absolutely not. Potiphar trusted me with everything and I, I'm gonna be faithful. So every day she invited him and every day he turned him down. Maybe it was, you know, it's powerful to turn it down once. So like that, that's speaks to his character, but day after day, he held his character. Absolutely not, absolutely not, absolutely not. Speaks to his character. So, so God blesses him. But one day he, he, he goes into the house and no one else is around and she grabs his cloak and rips it off him. This was a wild woman. And, <laughs> you know, it was a cougar. And, and Joseph runs out of there <laughs> naked, which is a funny picture. And so she lies. Falsely accuses to, to Potiphar and the other servants saying, he tried to come and lie with me. She's the one lying. And so Potiphar takes Joseph and puts him in a prison. So now he's from a pit and he has a moment where it seems like God's doing something, but, but now he's put into a prison, put into a hole, put into a place of bondage, a place of brokenness. And you would think that Joseph has every opportunity to become a victim in this moment. You would think that the next thing you would read would, would be how, how angry he is or, 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 or a lament, you know? And, and he had every reason kind of to be. He could have almost rightfully, justifiably blamed God. He could have blamed his father, certainly could have blamed his brothers, could have blamed the system, the world around him, his governor and government. He could have blamed his boss, Joseph had the opportunity to let his situations determine his identity. Wow. To let his circumstances tell him who he is. And we know the end of the story, but can you imagine sitting in that prison? How would you react? How would you react to that true trauma and abuse? How would you handle it? Would you allow it to make you? Would you allow it to identify you? Would you allow it to justify maybe backsliding or faithlessness. But the Bible says that even through it all, even in this dark place, he trusted the Lord. And the Bible says even in the prison, God's hand of favor was on Joseph. And like Joseph, Jesus went into a place of prison. He went into, he went into the prison of death. He was falsely accused. He was falsely accused, yet completely sinless. He was stripped naked. He was put on the cross. He was murdered. His blood was presented to the Father, and he was thrown into the prison of death for three years. 
The Bible says that Joseph met two people in this prison, much like the two people Jesus was to meet on the cross. The first was the chief baker, and then the other was the cupbearer. The, the, the baker had a dream about Pharaoh, and so did the cupbearer, and they didn't know what it meant, so they brought it to Joseph. And Joseph, knowing God, says, let me, let me tell you what God does. And, and, and so God begins to reveal what the dreams really mean. And it just, shows, it just goes to show that God, even in very dire and difficult circumstances, he will bring wisdom and insight into your life. He will not stop speaking to you. And so he reveals to the chief baker, in three days you're going to die. But to the cupbearer, he says, in three days, you're going to be restored back into the kingdom, back alongside the king. Much like the two thieves on the side of the cross. One rejected Christ and was dead, but the other was raised to life with Jesus Christ. You see these beautiful parallels. And so the cupbearer did get restored, and he's serving Pharaoh. The problem is he forgot Joseph. Joseph only asked the cupbearer one thing. He says, will you remember me? And the, and the, the cupbearer's like, of course. But then very quickly, he forgot Joseph. And before we like, judge him too greatly, it's amazing how quickly we will forget the miracles that God has done in our lives. It's amazing how quickly we're like, you're desperate for something. The prayer gets answered. The miracle happens. Then a week later, you're like, what, what, did, what happened? What? Like, you, you just move on in life. This man moved on until two years later, Pharaoh, now he has a dream. And no one can interpret it. Not the counselors, not the magician, no one in the world because you need a divine insight. And at that moment, the cupbearer goes, oh, dang it. My bad, guys. I forgot this guy, but he's gonna help us. They go get Joseph and they bring him, they present him before Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him the dream and Joseph interprets it and he lets Pharaoh know it's not because I'm anything special, it's the God that I serve. Isn't it amazing that Joseph knew whether he was in the pit the prison or the palace, God was always with him. Favor followed him wherever he went. God raised him up wherever he went. And know this, the way God works is this. In one moment, one circumstance, one dream, God can move you from a prison to a palace. He can move you from the pit to the kingdom. In one moment, God can bring breakthrough in your life. But the reality is God was as much with Joseph in the pit as he was with him in the palace. God was with him orchestrating every single event. Why? Well, for salvation. The dream that Joseph interprets, he tells Pharaoh that famine is coming and people are going to die. And unless you prepare right now, you're going to lose your nation. And he says, you need to appoint someone, a wise person that can lead this effort. And, and Pharaoh looks around and he goes, these guys couldn't have solved the dream. You did. Why don't you take charge? And so not only is he brought out of the prison, he's put in a place of power and authority, just like Jesus. Out from the tomb after three days, though, the Bible says he did not stay in the ground. King David prophesied in the book of Psalm. He says, you will not let your servant see decay. You will not let the Holy One see corruption. He began to lift him up. If you could put my verse up in, uh, in the book of, uh, in the book of um, uh, Acts, uh, it, this is what Stephen saw when he looked towards heaven as he was being martyred. He said, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus did not stay in the tomb, but he was lifted up, sat down in authority, in power, in strength at the right hand of God. Listen, ruling and reigning. Why? Because his whole life was set up to bring him to this place for the salvation of many. In one moment, Joseph is given authority to save his whole family. God's not just working to save Joseph. 
He's working to save everybody. And so the brothers show up and Joseph sees him. And he has this moment with them of forgiveness and reconciliation. And that's when he says to them, you meant it for harm. But God was always working for good. Why? For the rescue. The rescue. God rescued Joseph, but he rescued Israel. He rescued a nation. God rescued a nation because God's intent is always greater than man's plans. God's intent is always greater than man's sin. God's intent is always greater than the enemy. Hear me, if God wants to move you somewhere, you will be unstoppable. If God wants to bring promotion in your life, no one can stop it. If God wants to elevate your life, no one can stop it. And even if you're going through difficulties, know this, the mighty hand of the Lord will bring you out and up if you will continue to follow him. Salvation is always the end result of the work of God for you, for your family, and for your children. This is what God did in the life of Joseph. This is what God does through the life of Jesus. And and I want to show you this is what God will do in your life. Because you're in the story of Joseph too, you know. You're in the story of Joseph too. You know, favor has found you, not because of you, but because of God. He loves you, he's called you, and he's anointed, he's appointed you. It's just true. And he's just clothed you, the Bible says, in righteousness. So you, by the way, you stand out. You stand out. Spiritually, you stand out. There's a different look in your life. There's a different thing on you. You stand out. You are radically different. Why? Because you have a different father. And, and this might even bring up the agitation in your brothers and sisters. This might agitate the God in you, might agitate the devil in them. And, and so sometimes you can't even figure out what's happening. Why are they talking to me this way? Why, why, why is this happening in my family? Why, why is this happening with my boss or my coworkers? And sometimes it's not physical, it's spiritual. You are different. And sometimes the grace on you even exposes the work of sin in them. And you're not even trying to do it. You're not walking around with a sandwich board saying turn or burn. You're just living. But I gotta tell you, there's something different on you. If I saw you in the airport, and I didn't know you go to my church, I'm telling you, I could see that person's a Christian. I was walking around the zoo the other day and I said like, that family is saved. I saw him, I was like, that family's saved. And then we walked by and the the dad's wearing like real men, love Jesus t-shirt. And I was like, what? There it is. (laughs) I saw it before I saw the t-shirt because the mark on you is spiritual, but it's greater than the clothes you wear the car you drive, the house you live in, there's a mark of favor on your life. No one gave it to you, no one can take it away from you. It's from your father. And everyone else might not understand it. Your brothers, your sisters, the people in life, they might not get it. They might end up condemning you for it. But here you have a choice. Who do you live for and from? Do you live for the favor, the voice, the love of the father, or will you Will you try and fit into the voice of your brother? Will you take off the cloak and be like, no, I'm I'm like all of you. You're not. You were bought with a high price. The blood of Christ has gotten on your robes, presented to the Father. So when God sees you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your shame. He sees the thing that covers that, which is the blood of Jesus. And, And so you have to know this about the life you live and know this. This follows you all of your days. 
You might even face false accusation. You might face liars. And you might face difficulty. And, you know, we've been so blessed in this country, we, we really haven't known persecution, but the reality is persecution is coming. And it's going to sh- begin to show itself in different forms. It might show itself through social interactions, show itself economically. Your occupation might be in jeopardy because of your beliefs. It might be coming. But Jesus says this. He says, blessed are you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. How do you know you're blessed? When the world won't accept you. How do you know you're blessed? When the world is your enemy. Oh, I thought I knew I was blessed when I got a new boat. Now, sometimes, sometimes blessings don't look like blessings in the moment. Sometimes blessings look like difficulties. Sometimes blessing looks like persecution. Sometimes blessing looks like the enemy's got the upper hand. Sometimes blessing looks like, looks like pain. But if God is involved, make no mistake, it ends in the palace. It ends in the kingdom. And so in the process... Jesus tells you, so therefore, this is how I want you to react. Rejoice. Be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, Jesus is saying, if they're persecuting you and against you, you are in good company. You're standing with Joseph. You're standing with Elijah. You're standing with Moses. You're standing with Jesus. Rejoice and be glad when you're not acceptable to this world. That might mean you are acceptable to God. Amen? And I need you to remember this, that God has divine veto power for anything going on in your life. So if God is allowing it, that means that he's working in it and he will be working through it and God's not done working on you. Can you say amen? Amen. Joseph finds himself in the prison and the reality is many times you will find yourself in situations that are truly difficult and look like prisons. The Bible says Joseph's master took him and, and put him in a prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. He was with him. Why? Because God won't be denied. And I want you to please hear me. You might find your place in, yourself in difficult places, in prisons, in, in, in trials, even maybe even stuck in some things. But, I, but please hear me. God will be with you in the midst of those things. I think about Paul and Silas. Here they are just following Jesus, casting out devils, worshiping, leading people to Christ. And what happens? They were put in stocks and in chains, the Bible says, in the innermost part of the jail. They were in the back, in the darkest, in the lowest, and they were completely bound, their hands and their feet. So what was their response? Was it to become a victim? Was it to be angry? Was it to be mad about Rome? No, they began to pray and they began to praise. Why? Because your circumstances shouldn't ever dictate your response. My response is dictated by the God that I serve. I'm not waiting for the situation to get good to praise. I'm praising when it counts. Hear me, you might find yourself in a prison of depression, praise still. You might find yourself in a financial prison, praise still. You might find yourself in a prison of hopelessness, praise still. You might find yourself in a prison of addiction, praise still. Don't wait for everything to be worked out before you worship. Begin to worship and let that work it out. Give your praise to the one that's worthy. 
this is what Paul and Silas begin to do. They begin to bang on the bars. They begin to sing in other tongues. And God enters into the chorus. He sends an earthquake, shakes the foundations. I feel like that's God's sub bass entering into the concert. And all of a sudden, the shackles break. But the Bible says not just on Paul and Silas, on everyone around them. Because salvation will come on you and through you. It will touch your family. It will touch your children. I believe it will even touch your boss. My friend was telling me, he said the other day, he said, I, I said it was during church. He said, I saw the back of this dude's head. And he said, I knew that was my boss. <laughs> and he said, the next thing he said was, and I could not believe he was at church. This guy wasn't a church guy. But you know, you were there faithful for years and years. Sometimes a shaking begins to happen out of your praise, out of your life, out of your lifestyle. Praise, despite the circumstances. Why? We're not denying the circumstances reality, but we're acknowledging that God is greater than the reality of our circumstances. God is in the supernatural and he is not done working. Paul says this in Philippians, he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Come on, I press on. I press forward. I move forward. I'm future oriented. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't get stuck in the circumstance. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in the accusation. Don't get stuck in the hurt. I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm just saying it's not worthy of your life. It's not worthy of your countenance. It's not worthy of your plans. One thing you gotta do, you gotta do, you gotta forget what is behind. You gotta strain towards what is ahead and you gotta press on towards the goal. Please hear me, the goal is Jesus Christ. The prize is Jesus Christ. The hope is heavenward, Lord. You are our all. And then God will get involved. And God will move you from the pit. He'll move you from the prison. And he'll move you into the place of the palace. He'll move you into the kingdom. Remember, Jesus says, I'm going ahead of you. Why? Because I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's like the Breakers, Breakers Mansion up there. God has a room for you in heaven. He's prepared a place for you. He's gone ahead so that we might be rescued. You know, many times we read this story and we read that verse, what God, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. And a lot of times we stop there, but the purpose, the purpose isn't just good. He says, why? For the rescue, for the saving of many lives. God's always trying to work salvation into your life. But as you begin to follow him, he's going to try and work salvation through your life. Rescue through your life. This is God's great plan the rescue of his people, and the rescue of his family. This is why Jesus came. This is what God did through Joseph, and this is what God wants to do through you. And the question I have is, can God rescue a family through one man or one woman? Can God rescue a whole legacy, lineage, through one man or one woman? Can God rescue a nation through one man or through one woman. The Bible says in the book of Romans, it says, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, 
How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, through the life of one man, God can alter the universe. Yes, through the life of one man, God can alter your entire life. In one moment, he can bring you from the depths and bring you up to the heights, all through the power of one man. But know that God doesn't work through Jesus. He'll, he'll work through Jesus, through you. If alcoholism came into the life of your family through one man or woman, your mom or your dad, so it can be defeated through one man or one woman, you and God. If addiction came through one person, it can be defeated by one person. If divorce came through one man, one woman, it can be defeated by one man and one woman. Please hear me, there is no power in hell that gets to overpower the blood of the lamb. And the blood of the lamb is upon you. It is on you. It's through the power of Jesus Christ that you can reign in life. God can do a whole lot through just one. And that's what Joseph understood, is in the end, it wasn't about the pit, it wasn't about the prison, it wasn't about the false accusation. It wasn't even about the dreams. It was all about salvation of his brothers. And you might say, well, his brothers didn't deserve it. Yeah, well, neither did you. We're the ones that killed Jesus. It was our sin that nailed him to the cross. And in that act, in that moment, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. See, Jesus always came to bring forgiveness to the ones that put him on the cross in the first place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to rescue us that did not deserve to be rescued. And then even more than that, to bring rescue through us, to our children, to our family, that God would even use us is incredible. He's so good. See, Joseph's story is your story. And know this, Jesus is involved in every single aspect of it. I don't know where in the story you are, but I know this, Jesus is right there with you. He's involved. He's moving the circumstances. And the end result is you in the kingdom opening the doors for your family to come into the kingdom. Lord, use us in this situation. But even more than that, use the situation in us for the rescue of many. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.